Welcome to the 11th episode of All of the Above, a weekly podcast about design, code, and learning, where an instructional designer, a full-stack designer, and a software engineer take apart the world one topic at a time. We are recording on February 7th, 2015. My name is Brian Brush, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Sam Bantner. What's it? And Sean Duran. Hello. So uh, this week we'll be taking a look at personalities as our broad topic, um, and if it's all right with you guys, then I can just go ahead and uh, jump right into my section. That's okay with me. No, I feel like uh, I'm just wondering. I haven't talked to you in a week. What what's been going on in Brian's life? It's just been mostly work and school, so really not much happening. Uh, my migraines are typically very bad during this time of year. I don't know if it's like weather change or what that does it, but they usually get pretty miserable. So that's what uh, yesterday was, was just sitting in misery and same with the beginning of my week on Monday. But uh, how have you guys been? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for bringing up the, the bad Judy. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But how was your week, Sean? Um, much of the same. Less migraines, more sleepless nights, and animating something within two weeks that should have taken like more than a month. Which you were given at the last second and you had to finish it by Wednesday, is that right? Yeah, I pulled that day. I think I worked 20 out of the 24 hours. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) goodness. Yeah, it's all right. It's all good. I I had a nap after that. (laughs) (laughs) that's good hopefully you won't uh, fall asleep on us during this recording oh no how about you sam mr bantner uh it's been a pretty crazy week i've been drinking a lot lately Hmm. yeah because of the craziness and uh yeah that's life well this just got kind of sad (laughs) glad to start off on a high note anyway there we go ryan take us in Take us in. All right. With our major topic being personalities, I wanted to take a look at learning styles and that concept. So almost anyone that's experienced education throughout the U.S. has most likely taken a test at some point that identified a supposed learning style that we all fall under. So the argument behind learning styles is that as a part of our personalities, we all have a preference for how we like to learn or what form of communication works best when uh, we're being taught something. And these most often fall under three major categories, which are auditory learners, visual learners, and kinesthetic learners. Um, So before I proceed into talking about sort of this concept, I wanted to ask you guys if you had taken one of these tests and what you were identified as. So Sean, I'll start with you. I was definitely um, a kinesthetic learner. Learning by doing, touching, feeling. Uh, that's how I usually, I guess, when I took the test I, when I was in high school, that's what it gave me. Which makes sense probably for somebody who's passionate about user experience design and touching and feeling and interacting and experiencing something. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And then Sam, how about you? Uh, I was a kinesthetic learner as well, uh, with a little bit of visual mixed in there, and probably not at all audio. I don't listen to people sometimes. Yeah, as we know, because you never listen to podcasts. Oh, is that what we're doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I first learned about this by, um, I took a, I didn't take, I was a part of a STEM initiative in Ohio and it was trying to get like high schoolers more into the STEM field and that's when I took the VARC or the questionnaire and it was about VARC which is uh, there's the R in there which is like read and write I don't know if that's like a old thing new thing VARC was a test for learning styles there's a whole bunch of different ones out there um, and in our show notes we'll include just like the wiki that references every different type of model considered with learning styles but VARC was one of those 
Yeah, because I know the whole, like, one of the purposes of this was to show the Board of Education of Ohio, like, hey, to teach science, it's better to do the kinesthetic, like, learning by doing. And they they showed that by having us high schoolers take a college class within two weeks. It seems like everything is uh, just smashed down into two weeks in my life. But yeah, and we that was sort of like a case study, like, hey, these guys didn't know anything. They took a college-level class, and we only did hands-on training. And it was a... Uh, I don't know if it worked or not. They gave us uh, iPacks. They were um, they were like iPod touches before they were iPod touches. Oh, yeah. They were really bad. Those um, were awful. You had to use a stylus. And it was Windows Mobile, so... Yeah, those were from HP, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's like... Um, I just remembered like that the whole well half of the purpose of that was to prove that kinesthetic was the best for at least uh, sciences. Okay. Yeah. Which is going to sort of sort of delve into what I was going to talk about with this. Um, But before I jump there, do you guys still feel that if you're given something since you have a preference for kinesthetic, if you're given something to learn and it's taught to you in a way that fits that learning style, do you feel that you learn better than if, say, it was just presented through visual or just auditory? I'd say I probably learn better if it's kinesthetic, but I stopped learning many years ago. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm and just Sean. Do you? Oh, sorry, Sam. I'm just done learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of stuff? Because I know mostly you do with coding things. So is it just like the practice of? that yeah it's pretty much that it's optimization of things it's new processes it's new languages different ways to do things which would kind of go to processes yeah recursion once you learn recursion you really don't have to learn much more because everything else is kind of simple base case get your base case and you're good done i don't i don't know what the base case is just (laughs) we need to make one I believe you. But is there anyone in the world that would learn programming just by like auditory means? I don't think that's even possible, is it? I think it's possible because programming, all it is, is just a group of processes that are kind of separated into modules. So it's just process after process. And I think you could easily learn how to program by just learning processes. Which may relate to like what our uh, guest on a prior episode, John Saddington, was referencing where it was teaching like that with the kids during the hour of code session where he was telling them like, how do you get from point A to point B? And it was walking them through that process. But Sean, to your point, like, can somebody learn from these various ways or is there a more ideal approach to use for specific topics instead of just addressing Mm -hmm. individual learning styles? So that's what I was going to jump into, which is that a lot of people believe that um, you have like learning styles for all of your students and that you need to address your teaching or training to hit on those learning styles. So if they're a visual learner, you should try to communicate everything visually. Um, But there is actually, and a lot of people don't know this, but there's actually zero scientific evidence that backs that claim at all and all of what yeah all of the research that has been done which is actually fairly limited but all of the research that has been done points that learning styles actually have zero effect on the success of teaching something to somebody why why do we think that then why is that like a permeated throughout our culture as like a fact 
Um, I don't know. And that's actually what some of the research that's being done now is trying to figure out just like, since so many people are making this claim and it's so ingrained (laughs) in our culture, like why have we not done the research to support that? And so in our show notes, we will link to a article from, uh, it was a group of psychologists at uh, NYU who realized like, okay, everyone's making these claims and there are all these different thoughts about learning styles and it's different models to identify them. And there is a whole industry out there devoted to testing and creating materials to help teachers better design training around learning styles, but they never saw any evidence or any um, like experiments that were performed to support those claims and to make that industry seem worthwhile. So they actually did studies where they broke apart uh, groups by their different identified learning styles, and then they taught them in all of the various manners that they could. So with what's known as mesh learning, where you match the learning to their learning style. So if they're a visual learner, you present a lot of visual information to them. But then they also taught visual learners through auditory-only means, and then they taught uh, through kinesthetic-only, and then they taught from a blended approach that uses all of them. And what they found is that no matter what your learning style was, whether you were presented in your preference or in a way that was not your preferred learning approach, you still were able to learn equally the same. And so they're asking for like more research on that, but I was shocked when I first learned this while studying learning styles because I've spent so much time being like, all right, it seems like that student's probably more of this learning style and this one's more of that. So I need to alter my presentation on the go to fit that when really I should be devoting more of my resources to just creating like better overall um, instruction and making like really strong materials and spending time like actually plotting out the course rather than just trying to identify learning styles and fit those. So I was curious what your guys' thoughts are on this complete lie that we've all been living throughout at least the the American <laughs> education system. I feel cheated. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't really been like super impacted by it that I know of, but it, it just uh, feels like it, you, you find out that Santa Claus is uh, is not what you thought it was. I'll leave it like that, just in case. Uh, <laughs> just in case there's a like four year old <laughs> listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, just watch out, kid. Just watch out. Which uh, I will say to that point, it's kind of weird that we raise, like, we're raised in a culture where parents lie to us about a lot of things when we're little and then later tell us not to lie to people. It's a little strange. But, Sam, how do you feel knowing that this is all a pretty much uh, fabrication? Sam. So I've seen this for the few years that I worked in education and uh, teachers were taught not to teach to a specific learning style, but to more teach to everybody. So to kind of like grab pieces of each to kind of just show everything in multiple ways. So I guess they kind of were teaching toward the specific learning style. But uh, in education, it pretty much turns into one-to-one education. If you're in a really good school, that's that's pretty much what happens is you're having one-on-one education with every student and you're not really teaching to the entire class and that's why teachers have difficult jobs sometimes even though they get summers off and I will say that that may be true in better schools where there is like yeah. a larger faculty ratio to the student body, but probably throughout the majority of the U.S. at least, it is very unlikely that you get to experience that much one-on-one interaction. And that's part of why some people are looking to things like flip classrooms and stuff so they can spend more time discussing with students individually or in small groups instead of trying to lecture to a large mass and then work with them one-on-one as opportunity allows. 
else. But I do know there's still a massive industry around it and a lot of, at least in the realm of teaching adult learners, it still seems like focusing on learning styles is very prevalent. And like I said, that industry that deals with all these tests and tries to help instructional designers and teachers of adults identify learning styles, that's like a multi-million dollar industry and it's really not very valuable. So that was just sort of my major point that what I wanted to bring up and see your guys' thoughts on. But from there, Sean, do we want to jump into your topic on uh, designing for and with personalities in mind? Yeah, so I was planning on starting off with um, looking at Myers-Briggs and how you can put that like in user personas if you're doing um, user journey maps or user testing uh, without actual people. You're just designing for a certain type of person. So if you don't know what a user persona is, it's uh, just trying to figure out who would be using the product, the thing, the website that you're making. So if I were to pick uh, like airlines, if you're trying to book a ticket, you can have like the business person. They are probably rushed or they have to use a corporate card. Um, they're not really caring much about price if the company is about to pay for it compared to someone that's uh, trying to book a trip for their family. So they have, they're sort of stressed out because if they have like three kids, um, they're trying to make this perfect, trying to get in early um, enough so they can go to Disney World and stuff like that. So it's just creating different scenarios. But I, w- I thought of another thing that might be better. Um, <laughs> So with Facebook, if you design a product for like personalities, this just came to mind. With Facebook, um, if you create like a status, now currently it asks what's on your mind, and it's very open ended. It's just say just asking what's on your mind. It could be anything. I remember in the beginning of Facebook, it was more rigid. It was like if I were to make an update, it would be Sean Duran is, and then I have to fill in the blank, and that led to lots of people <laughs> trying to make it whatever they could. Do you guys remember like that? Yeah, I did because I I remembered it for different reasons, mostly because people started to not use the first person I, like, so they would just say, instead of like, I am doing this, they would just say like, going to the store instead of I am going to the store. And I noticed that became like a switch in the way that we talked after all of my friends started using Facebook. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why that always stuck out to me. But it was very rigid. It was like, I only am going to Facebook to communicate like what my current activity is, not necessarily necessarily how I feel or what I'm contemplating or something I've been thinking about. Yeah, and it's like evolved over time. It's just the current variation is now what's on your mind. And I know with Twitter now it's like what's happening, which is sort of fits what Twitter's purpose is. It's just sort of the pulse of what is happening. It could be anything important, non-important, whatever. Like breathing. But it, it like just breathing, all the time yes. I'll just start posting breathing. <laughs> <laughs> now hopefully yeah. everyone in our audience has switched to manual breathing yep, that's what happened to me <laughs> set myself up for failure yeah you should set up like a, a little bot that just you figure out how much how many times you breathe in and out per second and just have it tweet that all the time <laughs> and then once you go running or something you send a little message to the bot like hey i'm in running mode and then it changes to your breathing pace for when you're running it'd be a cool little twitter experiment yeah if anyone wants to do that that would be awesome yeah it'd be a fun way to watch me have an asthma attack as i'm running <laughs> <laughs> oh we stopped breathing what's going on <laughs> <laughs> look at my gps location i just stopped in my tracks completely <laughs> 
think we're onto something here. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was it going? Oh yeah, it it the current variations of asking you, hey, what do you want to say right now? Are a lot more open ended and don't put much emphasis on uh, like the value of what they're doing or what you're saying, and it sort of opens it up to more introverted types. Like what's happening? Like it's very easy to f- fill in that gap. Most people don't even notice that it says what's happening because you're just like, oh, I just want to tweet something. Go here, blah 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 blah, or set Facebook update. But for the person that's just sitting there like, oh, I'm so bored, but I'm lonely and blah, blah, blah. and then you see that like, what's on your mind? I'm like, OK. And then that's where some Facebook rants come out of. Um, so I don't really have a question. I'm sorry. I was just uh, those are things that came up in my mind, along with um, have you guys ever uh, used like carrot, like these uh, combination of apps? I have downloaded carrot, but I had to quickly stop using it because I don't really I appreciate the concept of Carrot, which for those that are not familiar with it, it is a to-do app that essentially belittles you if you don't get things done. So it makes fun of you and calls you lazy. Um, and then and then it makes you do like extra work if you didn't do stuff on your to-do list. Yeah, it punishes you. So um, it's a clever approach and it does seem to work for some people who need like that push or that nudge to get things done. But for me, it's just like, stop yelling at me. I'm not going to do anything if you're being mean to me. Yeah, the, just the personality embedded within the app. Like it, it, it's not like a vanilla note-taking app. It's it's, re- <laughs> it's a thing, and you can get mad at it. There's the other another one is a carrot fit. My favorite feature in that one is if you, uh, it's a weight loss, uh, weight tracking, nutritional app. And the point that I I love is if you like go over your like calorie limit. It's like okay. Um, if you pay one ninety nine for an in app purchase, I won't post this on your Facebook saying that <laughs> you missed your goal. <laughs> and something like that, I, I, like just adding that human element to non like things that don't have life, I find really cool. I do also like their tagline, which is the AI construct with a heart of weapons grade plutonium. <laughs> The idea of including like personality within design for something is incredibly interesting. And Sean, I like feel like your point was two different things. One, like as you're designing, say, an application, you want to keep in mind what the personality of your user is. But then you can mm-hmm. also insert personality into an app. Um, and sometimes the blend between those, both the personality of like the application or the product, and then the personality of the user, can create a much better overall partnership between the two than um, just only focusing on one specific user persona may do yeah because i my uh like snapchat for example it's it's just a very it's not like the most beautiful looking thing it's very like ugly it's hideous yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i think that it's it sort of fits like it's very just raw i'm just gonna take a, a 10 second video of myself just being stupid or bored or what have you and as very bad looking as it is, it sort of fits that whole throwaway mentality. Sorry, I'm just I just get in loops. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, but that does 
I guess that actually is making me feel a little bit better about the Snapchat user interface because they keep coming up with what are actually like really, really great concepts and ideas that the app can perform for people. Um, so like they recently added the feature where you can sort of have like your own channel that people can subscribe to. Um, I you can? I think that's, isn't that what the little weird symbol thing is? <laughs> They're all weird um, symbols. <laughs> wait, what? There's a lot of weird symbols. Yeah. I'm not, it takes like 12 swipes to get there. So. There's a, oh, um, are you, are you talking about Snapchat discover? Eliminate. Oh, when you swipe down? Yes. Discover. Oh, Cause discover really it's for, but it's. That's how they make money. Yeah. That's how they're making money now. And they'll make a lot of money from it, but it is like you, you don't subscribe to a channel, but you can watch these different channels. And one of them, I think it may have been comedy central announced that they're going to have, if they're not already doing it an episode based TV show, Snapchat show. That's like a minute long huh. and a new episode every day. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? My point was going to be that there are all of these uh, features that they implement, which are cool ideas, but the process of getting to or using or familiarizing yourself with them is painful. But it does make me feel better thinking to the idea that like this is very centered around being ephemeral and being something that is just temporary and can be thrown away after that. Um, and so that sort of lackluster UI where it is quickly put together does kind of make more sense for that. Um, but I don't know. I'm not an active snapchatter by any means uh, yeah i i just find it i feel like it's one of the like it's not utilized as much as it could be for really cool stuff it like discover like it, it's like if i don't check it within a day i don't see what's there like it i can't go back there's no link to it there's just nothing and it's just gone so it makes me want to check it um and it what's i think along with like elo i know i keep pulling out social media stuff but that it's uh it's inherently person to person, which personality comes out really mm -hmm. well. But like Snapchat and Ello, sort of the same. I think Ello is a little bit more divisive as it's designed more for younger people. Like it's definitely not like an everyday, every person sort of product. Ello is very <laughs> white, black, just monospace font. It's just, I don't know. Ello is Some weird. people like yeah. it, don't understand it. There's a, there's a whole subculture going on there, I feel like. Of course, Ello's like main selling point outside of not advertising to you or selling your your personal information to advertisers is that they are design focused. But that design that they've put together feels like I don't know. It's like the 1990s, like early internet got meshed with contemporary culture, and a weird baby got produced. Yeah. Have you guys ever used it after the first initial, you know, go arounds? Nope. No, <laughs> I've, I've logged in like a couple of times just because our podcast has an Ello, but I log in and I'm immediately like, I don't like this. And I log right back out. Yeah, it just seems like it's designed definitely not for like even older people. Like there's no reason for your father to go on this. It's it's just not for them. So I, I don't know if it's like a way of starting younger-ish and designing with them in mind, but I, I, I'm not sure. Snapchat does a lot better job of that. Ello is just, I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, at least so that's me. they have a nice responsive UI though. So Ello? Yeah. Mm, no. Do they? That must be new. If you go on, because I've done it on my phone, trying to update stuff, and there's a lot of places where you go and tap something and it switches you to a different screen. It gives you like those uh, three dot indicators at the bottom, like the page indicators, and you swipe 
swipe left and right to get to those places. And you can sometimes just, if you're posting an update to your status or what have you, it can throw you onto the different page. And also every field that you can type into, it brings up a pop-up. It's like autofill your, with your password. And I'm like, no, I don't want to update my status. With my password. <laughs> I feel something's wrong here. Something is very wrong here. So it responds, but it, it's very not functional. Yeah, I'm just a little bit janky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see whether they have success with it and whether it will end up being like app.net or something. Um, but Sam, do we want to <laughs> jump into your topic on the quantification of personalities? Yeah, we can do that. Yes. Uh, I'm interested in yeah, that. Yeah, you know, notes, pickles, and popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that means it's just uh, sam likes pickles and popcorn together as a meal that's a dinner for him so and we're really curious if other people agree with this because some people think it sounds good other people think it sounds gross like sean and i so uh quantification of personalities why do we have personalities is it to quantify we don't know or do we uh but really whoever said that uh there are x number of types of people in the world is an idiot because every single person is different so there are whatever current world population is right now that's how many different people or different types of people there are in the world nobody's the same uh even though i have a really cool mathematical equation that i created when people say oh you're like one in a million and it comes out to be within the u.s there's like one of each person within eight miles of each other which is pretty funny if you're one in a million so there's another person just like you that's eight miles away (laughs) i don't feel so lovely That's awesome. I know. It's super cool. There should be a way to find that other person. I know. I I was working on something that, that made like a little, uh, like a radius around you. And like within that radius, that person is there. And then it would tell you how many people possibly live within that radius and the chances of you finding them. Everything can be done with mathematics. It's yeah. I love math. That would be the weirdest scavenger hunt. That's what I should do. Like, Or the weirdest <laughs> dating site. It's just like the odds of finding a compatible partner for you within this eight mile radius. Good luck. <laughs> I should really work on this. It's too much fun. Uh, but really, there's so any there are types and traits and everything to do with personalities. And there's a ton of different tests out there. And we're going to or I'm going to talk about a few of those. But uh, types and traits, there's Myer, Myers-Briggs, which is the type indicator. And it determines like if you're this or that or and it, it's kind of really well defined. And then there's traits out there, which other personality tests do where you can be one of these types between multiple traits and it really kind of lets you know like where you fall on those which is better we don't know it probably doesn't even matter uh but really we'll talk about three of the big ones and i know two of them one of them i took and i kind of brought it up during the all about sam bantner that happened a while ago but uh there's the disc assessment, which is dominance, inducement, submission, and compliance. It kind of separates mm-hmm. you into these four different traits and lets you know how you fall within there. There's Meyer-Briggs, which is more of a type indicator, and it focuses more on... Uh, 
extroversion versus introversion for the E and the I, sensing versus intuition for the S and the N, thinking versus feeling for TF, and judgment versus perception for JP. And those are, it's pretty self-explanatory, like extrovert, introvert, sensing, intuition, thinking, feeling, judgment, perception. You can probably tell yourself who you are, but it's fun to take a test and find out. And then there's the... What are you again? I'm an ENTJ. Sorry. ENTJ. Yeah. Cool. Brian? INFJ. INFJ. What are you, Sean? Cool. INTP. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm just looking at a page that we, there's like little characters and they're drawn really well. And Brian is like a, a princess. <laughs> All right. Oh, what the, what the f***? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quiet and mystical, yet very inspiring and tireless, tireless idealists. And then Sam's like in a horse, like a general. And I'm just in the middle of a puzzle. <laughs> Well, the other descriptions of you guys sound pretty spot on. I'm not sure how I feel about the princess thing, but... Are you in a tower? Do you have really long hair? I'm not sure. Am I what, Are you in a tower and do you have really long hair that you let down? Uh, No, I'm probably getting my hair cut tomorrow. Oh, man. That's not good. I don't live in a tower either. Uh, So we definitely need someone who's sensing in our group instead of intuition, because we all seem to have that intuition trait or type. Yeah. Yeah, so no more of that. And then the last is uh, the big five personality, which is by far my favorite. Uh, it's openness, cons- conscientiousness. Sorry, I can't say it. It's a hard one. Extroversion, uh, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Neuroticism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that one too. That one's really difficult. Neuroticism, because every time you say that one, it comes out as erotica. <laughs> so I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, it that's what we're going to. Uh, it's all erotica anyway, so it doesn't matter. So ocean canoe, those are acronyms of it that kind of fall in there. But that one, they kind of have different types tied into the traits. So it's kind of weird. If you take one test, it doesn't easily transform to another one because there are so many different factors that go into each of these tests. But ultimately, everybody just needs to be a Swanson. So if you ever look Mm. at the Swanson pyramid of greatness and you follow that, that's probably the best personality that you could have. Which Sam says, because that's probably the closest personality type that he would fit yeah even though i think skim milk is on on the list twice (laughs) also there's a lot of meat yeah a lot of meat yeah (laughs) other than that yeah it's pretty good so swanson pyramid of greatness everybody needs to have this in their house and abide by it every single day so really the question i was getting at is do you guys think that the world quantifies or we have personality types so we can easily quantify because right now with big data kind of being a thing and being in the public's eye we see or everything we do on the internet is tracked to some extent and the internet knows more about you than you actually do so do you think they're quantifying our personality to kind of give us stuff that we want surround us by great things and they know everything or i don't know do you feel like quantification of personalities is even happening i I wouldn't know about personalities per se they know what you've done yeah so there are um uh, there's like um your actions are um your actions and behaviors are determined by like your beliefs your values and attitudes which all sound very similar but they're different in just a little bit a little bit of a ways. I think um, beliefs are a little bit more solid. Like you you believe in faith or what have you. And then values can change depending on your experiences. Um, along with your attitudes, like 
towards things like a, a positive or negative and those all go and determine your behaviors so that's a one of the things that like if you ever have to do any kind of persuasion or influencing of sorts those are like you can't just change a person's behavior that like, that's not how it works you have to go for those three things and that will then sort of change the behavior so we only know the behavior of people we don't know the intent or why they're doing that but when it becomes more um when people type what they're thinking or post pictures then there's a little bit more information rather than just the actions that they have so I don't I don't know if it's a total personality catch-all, but it, it's getting closer and closer. What about you, Brian? I certainly think that big data is trying to get to that point so that it can identify essentially just better ways to advertise and sell products to people, which, as I've mentioned before, is unfortunately how most of the internet is run. But I guess my question would be, how effective can that process be? And as you had said earlier, Sam, like anybody who thinks they can just bundle everyone up into like specific pockets of people, that's not actually how the world works, and that's not how people actually are. And I also just find that whole process a little bit terrifying, and it makes me think. I've been reading uh, Kurt Vonnegut's Hocus Pocus uh, novel from him, and in it, it talks about this fake system called Griot that started out as a game and then became a tool that you plug in, like your family history and your age and gender and all of these things, and then it tells you your what your likely future will be, um, and more oriented towards like how likely are you to end up in prison. <laughs> And so when I think about like these systems that are these big data approaches that are quantifying us and trying to bundle us up into small categories so they can better advertise or sell to us, it just makes me feel like crap, I guess. But that does seem to be what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. But I'm not sure how much of that is oriented towards personality as it is just interests and hobbies and passions so they can just put more ads in front of us. It's all Google's fault. Yeah. Good old Google. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like the echo chamber effect where you're, once you Google something or search for something on Amazon, it recommends other things people have already bought for those. Like they bought that item and they bought these other items. And that's all fine and dandy, but that just gives you more of the same, more that other people like that one. Yeah. It doesn't give you differing opinions. And I know that people have done lots of studies when it comes to election times and people that search more uh, Republican, they then see only more right wing articles and news. And then when you do that, it's sort of influencing your values and beliefs and attitudes towards stuff, even just because your behavior has influenced that uh, algorithm in Google to be like, oh, show them more of this stuff because they'll click more things and they'll see more ads. And that doesn't make it a better place. In the world, it just sells more ads and leaves you on the screen and doing more things like that longer. So you're saying Google's not better for the world? <laughs> that, that seems to be a very, uh, is that a platitude? I think that's a platitude. <laughs> Am I right? I hear Brian typing. Yes, I'm searching. Typing platitude <laughs> into the dictionary. <laughs> For some reason, when I spotlight searched for the definition, it gave me QuickTime Player as the only result, so... Mm, that's not right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, platitude is okay, a well, remark or statement, especially one with a moral content that has been used too often to be interesting or thoughtful. Mm, guess it's not that. It was a little bit... Well, platitude's a good a word. General plati a general platitude. How about that? A generality. Yeah. Anyway... 
Um, so, uh, so I wouldn't say it's making the world a worse or bl- worse place. Uh, just in that aspect, not a fan of. That's why I use DuckDuckGo. Yeah, and yeah, and I feel good about it. And I, f- I feel sort of a little bit of. I, uh, I don't know the emotion that I feel. <laughs> Is that a problem? I should get that looked at. Um, but I've been using DuckDuckGo for like a while, like since 2008. So I was like head of the stream and I was telling other people about it. Like, hey, use DuckDuckGo. It's actually pretty good. It's not Google, but they don't do any ads. They don't keep you in a bubble. That was their thing. And now they're main, more mainstream. I wouldn't say they're mainstream at all, but they're getting up there, trying a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it's also interesting to see how certain personalities prefer different systems or are okay using certain ones. Like I prefer using DuckDuckGo because I am more of a like quiet, internal, introspective type person who doesn't want to share a lot with just the world at large unless it is um, something I'm really passionate about or with people that I'm comfortable talking to. Mm-hmm. Whereas Google's like, no, you tell us everything. We're going to keep everything and we're going to share as much of that as we can. Um, so I end up preferring DuckDuckGo where there are other people who have have no qualms about sharing their information or having uh, their information tracked or distributed. And so they're perfectly fine using a platform like Google. Signed in with a Google Plus, sharing every article that they ever look at, every page, every click, everything. Well, that's a creepy note. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> did we have any final thoughts on this topic before we close out the show? I have a final, final thought. Ooh, let's, let's hear it. Well, you guys have to go first because mine has to be final. The final, final. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> I don't really have a final thought, so so do you guys do you guys think that everybody should take a personality test just to see where they lie in the world? I think it's certainly like worth your time to take, uh, especially if you are trying to find ways to better understand others or interact with others. Mm-hmm. So while like the personality tests try to generalize people into certain categories and those may not be 100% accurate, it still gives you a better idea of who you are. And whenever somebody else can communicate, oh, I'm this type of personality tr- type on the Myers-Briggs test, you know a new or better approach to interact with them or you understand why there may be conflicts conflicts that you're experiencing when you're working alongside them. And those sorts of things, I think, can lead to better communication and better interaction and just improve life in general for you. But I also don't think people should play too much into those or try to hold steadfast to being one specific personality type. Yeah, they're not gospel. Yeah, like that can be equally dangerous where you are so consumed in trying to fit that personality type that you don't allow yourself to grow or change. Um, But Sean, what are your thoughts on that? Same thing. <laughs> All right. It's unanimous. Like, yeah, it would be worthless for me to just say what you just said in different words. That'd be like doing a report in high school and you're like, oh, do something like this. And then you just go to a site and like, oh, I'm just going to change a lot of these words and make it my own. That's what I would have done in this instance, but I'm not going to. So, Sam, how about you? I'm just saying we should ask our listeners to uh, go to mm. all of the above audio slash contact. And share their personalities with us and what they think of what we're talking about today. I'm all for that. And they can also um, reach us on Twitter, too, if they want to have the conversation there in an open platform in case they're the type who doesn't mind people seeing what their personalities are and sharing those. So you can reach us on Twitter at Above Podcast. But was that our final, final thought, Sam? That was my final, final thought. Does anyone have a final, final, final? Mine is that the show is over, so... (laughs) 
Let's go ahead and close it out. That wraps up yet another episode of All of the Above. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to check out links galore to the things we discussed, you can find our show notes at alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 011. And as we said earlier, if you want to get in touch, you can reach us at alloftheabove.audio slash contact or through Twitter at AbovePodcast. Also, if you haven't already, you can subscribe in iTunes so each new episode is delivered automatically to you. While you're at it, feel free to share your thoughts on the show by leaving a review on iTunes as well. It not only helps us improve, it also helps others find us. And next week, we will have special guest Scott Ryan Hart on to talk about voice-activated user interfaces. He has been doing some incredibly interesting research on this, and we are really looking forward to having him on the show. We will see you all then. And in the meantime, go see if you can find someone that has a similar personality to you within an eight-mile radius.